Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Female Film Critics Panel. And we are really excited today to have another group of awesome women here to talk about our experiences being critics and being content creators. So much fun. I am film critic Rachel Wagner. And today, Amy Simon is here. Hello. <laughs> and Nikki from Trivial Theater is here. Hello. How are you? And thank you both so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. And we always like to give our guests a chance to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about what you do in this space, the content you create. And Amy, what about you? Why don't you start? Okay. Um, <laughs> well, I have been um, uh, reviewing films for about 15 years for a website called threeimaginarygirls.com, which is a Pacific Northwest based website that um, mostly covers music, does some film. We do the, we cover the Seattle International Film Festival every year. Um, so I write reviews there. And then also about 12 years ago, I started a blog called ilovesplatter.com, <laughs> which focuses uh, exclusively on horror films. And uh, last year, we're coming up on a one year anniversary. Uh, my friend Adrian and I started a podcast for I Love Splatter where we only talk about women directed horror films. Mm -hmm. And this was in response to somebody, <clears throat> Jason Blumhouse, saying that, <laughs> um, you know, when, when asked why he didn't hire more women directors, he said that there just weren't that many. So Adrian and I decided to make a podcast to, to show the world basically that there are a ton of amazing women directors who direct only horror or who have directed some great horror films. Uh, so that's- I love that. Doing. I didn't realize that it was specific to gender specific, the podcast. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, Nikki, why don't you introduce yourself next? Hi, I'm Nikki. I'm uh, got a YouTube channel called Trivial Theater. And uh, Amy, thank you so much for doing what you do. And uh, boy, that that cough sounds nasty. It's too bad that certain individuals can't see, you know, all the great stuff that's out there and the immense amount of women that are in the space. Maybe certain individuals should take another look. Anyway, <laughs> um, I've had my YouTube channel for about two and a half years and I review random, obscure and straight up bad movies or that's kind of the tagline that I go with. Um, I cover everything from the 30s or even the 20s up through modern day. I just did Malignant, which was only my second new movie. Um, otherwise, I've done things as weird as things um, and as well known as killer condoms uh, or sorry, yeah, killer condoms. So, you know, I, I cover the full spectrum of of weird. A lot of my stuff aims towards horror, but it's not exclusively that way. So um, I also do, um, I just started a podcast with Movie Emporium on YouTube um, talking about uh, The Twilight Zone. We're on episode six and we haven't driven each other nuts yet. So that's a good sign. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, so for uh, your uh, blog that you do, The Three Imaginary Girls, how do you decide kind of what you're going to be covering and uh, what you're what you're going to write about on there? Well, um, I mean, obviously things have changed during the pandemic, mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, I I will kind of just pick and choose. Um, I co-edit the blog with my um, editor and founder Liz, and she's not strict about like assigning me anything. So it's kind of just like if I wanna go see a new film, I will go see a new film. Um, or I might cover some independent films. I get, a, you know, I get a lot of pitches in my inbox for indie film and actually my, my day job is as a, a marketer for an agency called Smart House Creative and we primarily work with independent filmmakers. So um, mm -hmm. I do try to shine a spotlight on those things as well. Um, so, you know, but now like I'm still not ready to go back to theaters quite yet. So I haven't been to an in-person screening yet. Um, since this all started, um, I've been doing, I've been fortunate to have access to some online screeners for some things, mm -hmm. you know, what um, about you, Nikki, how do you decide what is a bad movie <laughs> and you're going to review it? Um, I just kind of like, I get lots of recommendations. I kind of watch around Twitter to see what people are talking about. I do take some cues from uh, The Last Drive-In, um, different things like that, like uh, things just, just to see what people are reviewing, what's in the public space and the public consciousness as far as that area goes. Um, sometimes it's just wandering around um, like Prime or, or Tubi 
and just deciding on something that just strikes me as looking fun. It's like mm-hmm. walking around a video store and kind of flipping through the stuff and whatever has the most interesting cover. It's like, hey, this looks weird. It's got a shark with a with a Christmas hat on. Let's do it. Ah, you done Santa Jazz? Oh, I Santa love Jazz. Santa Jazz. Shout out to Santa Jazz. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Like when it, when you get down to the very end where um, Santa Jazz, which is a female shark, by the way, and thus even more awesome. Um, it's actually a pretty fun movie. Like it it's is. ridiculous, of course, but like they know it is and they just have fun with it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, does yeah. it get better than basically a unicorn shark, you know, with, with a giant candy cane coming out of it, out of her head? I mean, my God. Yeah. I mean, it apparently can generate electricity. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> it's the greatest shark ever. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I, after watching uh, that year, watching like a hundred romantic comedy Christmas movies, I was just, I just relished watching Santa Jaws. It was so refreshing. <laughs> It, is, it totally is and so many that's the thing about so many of these movies and I'm, I'm sure amy can attest you you don't they provide you, you don't know what you're getting into going in it may be total crap but it may be so endearing and fun and poignant and mm-hmm. yeah i'm sorry i'm getting i'm, I'm tangent well, no i mean because that's the difference to me between something like Santa jaws versus something like the um sharknado movies because oh, totally. i i just feel like they actually tried to make something fun with Santa mm-hmm. Jaws. Whereas like, there's something so calculated about Sharknado in exactly. trying to be a B movie and trying to be that, that it, to me, it falls flat. Oh yeah. And yeah. that's, that's the case with a lot of those. It is trendy right now to be, uh, to try and be a good, bad movie, mm-hmm. but you can't force that. All the money yeah. in the world isn't going to make a good, bad movie. It has to have that sense of, it, you don't you don't go in trying to make that yeah for the most yeah. part i agree i agree <laughs> so and nikki you have animation in your reviews how do you do all that how do you coordinate that uh most of it is i'm basically a one-woman band outside of my avatar which was uh, i had an artist do for me um but it's basically just uh i use a webcam to capture my my facial features and kind of the movement and then everything else is done in After Effects. So my theater is set up. Um, it's a massive, massive uh, project, like 200 odd layers, I think. But it's a, it's a just a big theater setting. And I've got a digital camera, a virtual camera that can kind of go through and do whatever I want it to do. Um, but the render times are atrocious and I try not to talk about those. <laughs> really cool. I would oh, have you. no, I wouldn't know where to start with all of that so that's I would love to learn one of these days tutorials are a great thing but um I did go to college to learn kind of the ins and outs of media studies and such Mm -hmm. but a lot of the after effects stuff is things that I've taught myself because I had to learn yeah set a goal for myself so I know I my my editing skills are very rudimentary but I'm always trying to to, to trying to learn more trying to do it was very exciting when I figured out how to like put in layers and I mean we're talking very mm-hmm. basic here but uh <laughs> but if that's what you enjoy doing that that's yeah. where you start you know yeah and I don't think with so much of this stuff outside of the basic things you don't if you don't use it every day you're not going to use it you know mm-hmm. you're, you're not going to maintain that there's so much stuff that I learned for basic stuff and then you lose it because you just don't use it yeah that's true I mean that's one of the best things about doing all of this is is the skills that you learn as you're creating content, even, even as I'm writing, and I think I become a better writer with every oh, review yeah. I do, uh, or whether it's a podcast or you know, every interview, I think I learned something. Uh, and so that's, even if you don't necessarily get the benefit as far as views that you might like, you are benefiting through relationships that you have, but then also through the skills that you're learning along the way. Oh, absolutely. I wish yeah. I had half the writing skills I see with you two. I it's, it's amazing. Like all hail. <laughs> <laughs> so Amy, uh, have you found that the horror community has been accepting of what you all are doing or have you felt like resistance? Um, I, <laughs> I think as a Gen Xer who has been a longtime fan of things like Star Wars and comic books and and film. 
Um, I think I see it getting better um, with the younger generations, mm -hmm. I guess is what I'd say. I think like there, there is still a contingent of like poor bros who, of course, of course there is, uh, who really just want to keep everything like not political and, you know, just about the fun slashers and, you know, they don't want to make space for queer people. They don't want to make space for women, you know, um, yeah. and it's disappointing, but it, I'm also so used to it, honestly, that it's just refreshing when um, men aren't like that in the horror community space. Mm -hmm. I think, um, I think there's still a problem like there is in any space, like there is in film Twitter, which I'm sure you've seen where um, it can be a very like uh, hive mind kind of situation where, you know, if you don't like something, uh, like let's say you didn't like Malignant, I'm pointing to myself right now. Um, Let's say you didn't like something. I think mm -hmm. the tendency is for people to jump on somebody and say, you just didn't understand it mm -hmm. or you don't know what good film is. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know how to, I don't know if that's solvable, I guess is what I would say. It's great. It's great to see new voices coming in. It's great to see more diversity in communities, especially in the horror community. But I think like there's still a little bit of us all grouping together as outsiders <laughs> that happens. Um, but I do, like I said, I do think younger um, younger generations aren't that way. And I, I saw that very clearly the one year that I was lucky enough to go to Fantastic Fest, where it was like younger male fans, you know, would just talk to me like I was a normal person who liked movies and like literally every single guy in my age group, you know, would say, what was your favorite movie that you saw? And I'd say Suspiria 2018. And they, they would immediately say to me, have you seen Argento's? Have you seen it? Right. <laughs> and it's just like, actually, yes, I'm a huge Dario Argento fan and I still love that movie, but like, there's just a difference in the way those men talk to me as opposed to, to younger. Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. I do find it interesting that people don't think that slashers and horror is political or not political, but you know, it so drives so many social issues. I mean, the, the, the blowback on Candyman as being too woke is so goofy to me. It's so like, goofy. And did they not see the first movie? Did they not understand that there's political <laughs> Oh, it was just about a guy with a hook. There wasn't anything else. Cabrini Green, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, I, I mean, I don't watch that many horror movies, but I did watch Candyman and I wasn't a big fan of it. And it's not necessarily because it's woke. It's because I felt like the script was kind of clunky in the way that it executed the dialogue. Mm -hmm. And they, instead of, instead of having, it was a classic example of kind of show don't tell, you know, mm -hmm. that instead of having the, the scenes build intention, instead they had them just talking about it and explaining it instead of actually mm -hmm. creating tension. And I felt like a lot of the kills and a lot of the things that were happening were very random. And so it wasn't really scary because I wasn't invested in the characters. And I, I like the, like the scene in the high school, right? Like we hadn't even gotten to know those characters at all. So it wasn't scary. Like it was gross. Like it was supposed to be a gross out scene. I get that, yeah. but it was just kind of left me flat because we hadn't gotten to know those characters. And I don't know, I just felt like it was a, not a good script and wasn't a very good movie, but I, it was funny in my review, I, I felt like I was pretty harsh on it. I gave it a three out of 10, and, but I was trying to kind of explain why it, it didn't work for me, but then there were some other strengths that I saw and it was really funny. I got this comment after this says that he, he says that don't let woke society scare you to death. Call it oh, like you no. see it. <laughs> and then oh, he says, no. your, your movie reviews are like overcooked spaghetti, limp and bland. Ugh. You got it. Like, you got to love you the trolls it. that roll in there. <laughs> I guess That's three out of 10 wasn't, it. of course, then he has to end it that, that uh, you are the reason our society has been flushed down the toilet quicker than Joe Biden forgetting where he is. I'm like, what are you doing? That doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make any sense. I'm like, I'm sorry. I didn't we, hate it enough for you. Evidently a three out of 10. 
we like uh adrian and i keep hoping that that somebody like that will email us about the podcast but nobody has yet but we really want them to just so we can roast them on the podcast oh when you do please roast them well like just chestnuts (laughs) over an open fire level please (laughs) i think that the biggest example i can think of of something like that for me was when i tweeted about um terminator dark fate and i um I, you know, I hadn't seen it when it came out and I watched it on, uh, on streaming rental. And I was like, why didn't anybody tell me that the women in this film are so badass? Like I would have watched this movie way sooner. It was really good. It's like one of the mm-hmm. best Terminator sequels and a sci-fi yeah, convention. Much, but... <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> true. But a huge terrible. sci-fi convention <laughs> retweeted me and oh, yeah. suddenly all these dudes started like rolling in. All these Terminator fans, right? Because I mean, I don't want to give you any spoilers about Terminator Dark Fate, but something happens at the beginning of the movie that all hardcore Terminator fans are just up in arms about. All the all the ones that hate all the woke stuff, mm-hmm. they hate this thing in Terminator Dark Fate. And so, like, I, I was getting like comment after comment, and it was just like, "You are your opinion is dog shit. Like, you don't know anything about movies." Um, you clearly haven't watched any movies ever. <laughs> like, um, I can't even remember, like, yeah. uh, just, just stuff like well, that. And, oh, they, and, like, most of them, like, 90% of them would, would then go on to say, I haven't seen it, but I know it's awful. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, that, that happens half the time, too, because we'll get the early, we'll go to an early screening or get an early screener. And I've had a number of times people come back to being like, yeah, you were right. <laughs> Hey, yeah. at least they admit it. Like that, that, not that that's worth a ton because the damn it, you know, the, the toothpaste is out of the tube, but yeah. for God, at least they say, okay, you had a point. And with yeah. some guys, that's as, that's as much as you're going to get. Not that that should be the norm because it shouldn't. And then no. Their heads are clearly yeah. shoved up places. We don't like to talk about, but. <laughs> and it does take it to a whole nother level when you get on Rotten Tomatoes. And oh, I, especially with the superhero movies, yeah. they, it is just brutal. And I, that I have to admit that now I kind of wait as long as humanly possible until the age, the people are saying like, we need the review now. I'm like, okay, fine. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but I some of them might choose not to. I, I just, I waited over a year before right. until the Oscar season uh, to review Joker. Cause I was just like, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Like there's no, it's not like in, cause normally I review family films. So it's not like it's, it's one I need to cover. And mm-hmm. why, why do I, there's no reason I don't work for a publication that was requiring me to cover it. And right. it's just going to make my life miserable. So why would I do that? Right. Absolutely. Mental because, health is more important sometimes. Yeah. Unless there's, yeah. you know, some reason it's not animated. It's not a rom-com. Those are, that's my, that's my field. That's where I cover. But, um, and of course I didn't care for it. Once I, saw it. <laughs> I don't even, I don't even ever want to see that movie. That's how much I don't yeah. care for it. <laughs> yeah. I thought it had some interesting little side bits. Like there were, mm-hmm. there were pieces that you could pull from it and go, oh, well, does it mean this? Does it mean that? Like the, the theories about what it meant was interesting to me, but the overall movie I could have given or taken. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like a disaster. I just felt like it, it stacked its cards so high on on one side to make you feel like there was no actual like stakes in a way because there like it, it would it would have been nonsensical for Arthur to have made any other choice than what he makes because people are so terrible to him and everything is so like you needed one sort of you needed a dose of humanity to to kind of balance it out to make his character's choices feel as conflicted as they as you wanted them to feel right otherwise it's just mm-hmm. like i don't know if, if somebody is just getting beat up in every by every single person in their life then of course they're going to behave that way and it, that makes it less interesting absolutely to me. yeah and you knew but, what was coming it's i mean if you would yeah. have had it not called the joker i mean you would have had it maybe an interesting psychological study about a person but being mm-hmm. that it's called joker right you know the end result i mean it's like the star wars prequels you know what that end game is going to be so right exactly well question i like to always ask in this series is 
Do you think that it is important to have female film critics or at the end of the day is a review or review? Like, does it not necessarily matter like whether the gender of the film critic uh, or, and how do you feel kind of about that dynamic? What do you think, Nikki? Oh, it's massively important. I mean, Mm -hmm. even if, you know, amongst women reviewers and it doesn't matter what the movie is, the varied experiences, I mean, for honestly, rom-coms are not particularly my thing. That doesn't mean that I don't have the ones I enjoy, but for my taste, they have to be a little outside the box, mm-hmm. you know? So the way I would review a rom-com is different than the way you both would review one, right. but you know, take that in mind. I think you can still look at a movie and say the cinematography was great or the story lacked. It's not nec- the subject does come into play, but it's certainly not the only thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think, Amy? Yeah, I think it's incredibly important to have a lot of diverse representation in, in including film criticism. Um, because, you know, I mean, some, some somebody who's like a 65-year-old cis white male critic is not going to review something like revenge the same way that um, a woman is going to review it, you know, it's, I, I think that you need to have those things. And conversely, like, I'm not going to review Candyman the same way that um, a Black film critic is going to review Candyman. So exactly. I think, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's good to have those different perspectives. And it's good, um, just like it is in film, of course, until we get more representation on <laughs> film, like, it's kind of, it's always going to be uneven. But yeah, I like to read um, different perspectives, people's perspectives. I like to hear it different perspectives on different films and it's not that I don't think Mm -hmm. you can't talk about it if you don't have that experience of course that's not it of course I've reviewed obviously hundreds thousands of films that don't have anything to do with me or the way I live but yeah I just think um like Nikki said you know it's you bring your life experience to it you bring your different perspective to it and it's great to have all those different perspectives Mm -hmm. like how boring would the world be if we all had the same opinion on literally everything yeah (laughs) Well, and I just think when you're only hearing, you know, male perspectives, especially on genre films, like comic book movies and things like that, I think that it's hard to know kind of what you, what it's hard to make your decision of what you're going to see or not see as a moviegoer, because you're only hearing about one kind of perspective. Whereas if you, if you follow a bunch of different critics, then you, you know, you might want somebody Mm-hmm. who is going to look at it from the from the perspective of like a family film or a you know a, mm-hmm. or a uh, or a, a more somebody who knows a lot about uh, cl- classic literature that's going to have a different perspective of somebody who doesn't know anything and it's only pretty comics is going to have a different view of a Jane Austen film you know like just all those different perspectives I think are important and I think it's especially important when you're dealing with properties that are designed for women if we don't have women saying nope this is not this is not enough this is not right this is not this or we like this this is good make more of this exactly then (laughs) then we're just going to get people in hollywood just throwing darts at the board hoping (laughs) that we like it and how do they know if we don't tell them you know what kills me is and this is this goes back quite a ways but um when the sex in the city movie came out and it was mm-hmm. successful and people were like oh my gosh you know this is doing great and it like people were surprised that women went to the movies and enjoyed something outside of whatever the norm was at that time it's like yeah. do not think women have gone to the movies since the inception of movies back in 1920 you know it was it was all guys you know no women by any stretch <laughs> yeah. but I, I just like that I don't understand that perspective. They can't be that blind, can they? Yeah. Well, no, it's true. You see it also even with like Twilight movies. True. With things like that, that, that it's, I mean, I'm not saying those are the greatest movies in the world, but they have fan base that enjoyed them. And yeah. (laughs) And they always seem kind of like, why aren't we making movies for these people that obviously enjoy them and want to see them? And I don't know. It's, it's a funny thing. I mean, we, I mean, it's no wonder Hallmark was, has found success because there's just so few romantic comedies that are made yeah. these days that nobody has anywhere else to go, but to watch Hallmark. I, yeah. that was the reason why I started watching them. And that's awesome. It's, it's good. Mm-hmm. And that's the one good thing about the likes of streaming and things like that. 
it has opened up a lot more ability to, to do those things. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. perspective being whatever it is towards streaming, it, it is, there's avenues that haven't been hit before, mm-hmm. whether you're talking about more horror or more rom-coms or, you know, anything across mm-hmm. the board. And that's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to ask next is, do you feel optimistic or pessimistic about the state of film? Because there is reasons to be optimistic. Like you were saying, there are so many outlets that people can have their film uh, produced and distributed uh, in a way that never would have been even 10 years ago. And and that that is exciting and that you even have unique uh, services like uh, the, um, I think it's, is it called Shutter? The one that's the horror one, or you have on yeah, the other sure. stream, you have Hallmark movies. Now streaming rom-coms you have, and everything in between you have faith-based streamers, you have just everything that you could want. There's anime streamers. And so that's exciting that there's just so much content now it's unbelievable. It is. I mean, we were just talking before we're off air about how I mean, last year I watched 115 Chris watched and reviewed 115 Christmas movies. And this year I anticipate there's going to be even more available to watch. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it, (laughs) but I'm going to try. Uh, But yeah, I mean, it's just the amount just in one little tiny sphere of Christmas movies, the amount of content is unbelievable. And so that's exciting for people who want to, to produce their screenplay produce their their movie there's way more than there ever was before but then on the other hand what's happening with what's happening with feature films and movie theaters and and everything what do you think nikki i am if you look at my channel and for me personally i am like a a theater fan since way back like Mm -hmm. i know that there's a lot of things that can affect the movie going experience and they can be terrible but I just, when the lights go down, there is nothing like a theater to me. Having said that, the world has changed. And even before this, the world mm. was changing. I, I think it's got, a, there's always that middle of the road. Like I, I'm terrible about being middle of the road about a lot of stuff. And I, I'm kind of, I guess, a realist. Streaming is not going away. And it offers a lot of opportunities that we wouldn't otherwise have. But the things like some of the things that the algorithm pushes, like, I I loved walking through video stores and picking up something off the shelf. And, you know, if you watch five horror movies in a row, the algorithm is more likely to say, hey, you like these five movies. Here's five more that are like it. The chance of me running across something, unless I go searching, which you want to do anyway, but there's always that need for variety. And I, I don't that is the one thing it, uh, there is a lot of good stuff that's going to be lost in the shuffle. And small reviewers are obviously so important because they do cover a lot of that stuff. You know, like there's so much that they cover a lot of stuff that you wouldn't otherwise see. And thank goodness for that. Yeah. So I will always be a video or a movie person, or sorry, I will always be a theater person. Mm-hmm. I will take the necessary steps to stay safe, but I'm going yeah. for the most part. I feel like every year I have that movie or two movies. That's sort of my baby that I championed to everybody. And I'm like, go see it, please stop. You know, last year was Love and Monsters, which I loved. And for that, I loved uh, Wild Rose. That was one of my nice. favorites. I don't know if you saw that, but uh, I loved Wolf Walkers last year. Oh, it was an incredible just movie. So good. And I, I, I just, I, I got almost everyone I know to see your name. <laughs> Okay. But what about you, Amy? Would you say you're optimistic or pessimistic? I I mean, I think there's a lot of room for optimism, but I think the prevailing attitude is pessimism. So I, you know, I, of course, love theaters. Um, We lost one of our best theaters ever in Seattle right before the pandemic shut everything down. It's been around for a long time. And was my favorite place to go. Um, We do have some, we do have quite a few independent theaters in Seattle, which is amazing. Um, But I think that, I think what gets lost in the conversation, I I think there's a couple things. What gets lost in the conversation about theaters and films needing to be seen on, in a theater to count or, or to be, you know, really seen is that accessibility isn't being addressed. So, I mean, there are a lot of people who, who don't have access to, to movie, they don't have movie theaters anywhere near them, you know, um, mm-hmm. or 
there are a lot of people that have giant multiplexes that only show the Disney movie the, of the moment on like 10 of its 12 screens mm-hmm. and are never going to be able to see an independent movie if they don't look at streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it the isn't other that a reason is, to be optimistic though because people have more access to those small movies you just look at like documentaries alone i think people are watching documentaries way more than they ever have before because they are out there on netflix you know getting uh you know promoted and so i think that in a way like it's an exciting time for small releases and independent films oh yeah don't get me wrong i wasn't i'm not pessimistic about it i'm saying that like there is um because hollywood the hollywood structure is still by and large like a patriarchal society that has had the same rules since its inception (laughs) um (laughs) the idea is as a director and we see i see we see this all the time with the independent filmmakers that we work with that if they can't have their film in a theater then it's not worth anything then it's going to be harder for them to get a distribution deal. And it many times is, you know, yeah. that if they are, or you, you know, you have people like uh, Villeneuve and, and, and uh, Fincher saying, you know, like, Hey, it, if my film can't be in a theater, then it's not worth seeing it. You know, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah I get it. Yeah, I get recently. it. Like it's beautiful to have your film in theater. Yeah. It's wonderful to have a film in a theater, but also like, I got a pretty good setup here. Like I got an 83 inch, like 4K TV <laughs> down there and a giant couch. And like, I'm more than happy to watch films uh, in my home. And I'm also a physical media hoarder. And I'm, so like, you know, I just think like, I don't understand this. Um, I don't, I don't think the attitude that streaming is killing the movie industry is correct. I think like, there are there are accessibility issues to think about. There are so many filmmakers and so many different films that don't have the opportunity to play in a theater. Mm-hmm. And so if people can see that on streaming, it's great. You yeah, know? I think that Hollywood is going to have to change the budgets of these big mega films. I think we're going to have to see some some uh, some belt tightening because I I I mean now they've had basically two years where none of those movies have made have made money or not much money shang chi just did but um i think that we're gonna start seeing more movies like this movie nobody or you know some of these Mm -hmm. movies that are on small budgets that have action that people are gonna like to see but that are gonna be able to be profitable that's where i think we're gonna start to see in this kind of like next round of greenlit projects i just have to believe we're gonna start to see some reduced budgets I think you're absolutely right. Oh, I remember with um, like after Endgame came out, they you know, and it made such a tremendous amount of money. And I I remember some critics saying, "We'll never see movies this big again." And at yeah. that point, it's it's kind of like, well, you know, I mean, it's going to take a while to build up, but I'm sure you know there are ceilings for things like mm-hmm. that. But it is still a thing where it can go forward. Then COVID happens, and it's like, well, never mind. <laughs> but yeah, the edit. Oh, really Sorry. curious. No, I am really curious uh, what is going to happen next year with this Avatar movie because I think that's going to be a big tell. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, because that thing is, I think it's going to lose a lot of money. I mean, it's yeah. made, I mean, it's already supposedly a budget of $250 million and <sighs> that's probably being generous. I mean, with all the delays yeah. and everything i that thing is gonna lose so much money <laughs> that zero to a couple to the side <laughs> so that one's gonna be yeah i mean the bottom, the bottom line is like the studios only care about money right they only care about money they really oh, yeah. don't care about anything else and and so like they're gonna continue to adjust to try to make the most amount of money for themselves like that's their only motivation yeah, totally. you know but it is interesting I'm just going to say this, that if a male director's film tanks, you're going to see them get another job. And if a female director's film tanks, you most likely are never going to see them again or not until years later. That that whole mentality. So what happened to Nina DaCosta now that, because Candyman kind of split the difference, right? It was, it made money, but not a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I think she's, she's fortunate that she basically already has the next project lined up true and and signed up so 
uh, they i think uh she won't have that movie? yeah she's doing the mrs marvel which i think is shooting this fall so that yeah. one is stats so she's i guess fortunate unlike some some people but even someone like you know like patty patty jenkins like she had to wait so yeah. many years in between uh monster and and wonder woman which is crazy it is but um, right and then nobody liked 1984 except me and so like <laughs> i enjoyed it i thought it was very fun <laughs> i gave it a mild recommendation it was disappointing to me but i still yeah. thought there was the good outweighed the bad for me yeah certainly not the yeah. like absolute travesty that people are acting like. oh yeah definitely no, so. i i uh i don't know i felt like it was a great 80s homage and i totally yeah got that out of it and like you know I worshipped Linda Carter when I was a little girl in front of my television watching Wonder Woman so like for me yeah. Wonder Woman thing is whole experience that <laughs> was part of it like the 80s kind of Richard Donner homage aspects to it or were probably yeah. the best part and yeah. uh, the um, Pedro Pascal and stuff <laughs> I, I haven't I need to revisit it because I haven't seen it since you know I was super hyped for it and I was primed to kind of almost feel disappointed no matter what came out, I feel like, because I, I loved the that. first one so much. But anyway, I need to revisit it. Uh, but um, but yeah, I mean, I liked I liked Black Widow. I liked Captain Marvel. So I don't know what that says about me. But. Yeah. <laughs> I had to defend uh, Wonder Woman 19. 19- oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to. Oh, I was just gonna say I had to defend Wonder Woman 1984 um, on a, a podcast that set up like a courtroom. Uh-huh. Got absolutely found guilty, but it was such a fun thing to try and defend that. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I'm doing it. So good. That sounds fun. That sounds yes. really fun. Um, well, we have our, our ending questions, but before we do that, with it being October, when this is gonna air, uh, what do you think is a good starter horror movie that people could watch that won't be maybe too scary but we'll get them kind of into the genre what would you i know i'm putting you on the spot but what would you say amy that is a very loaded question <laughs> <laughs> i'm asking for myself like, because so i'll tell you i've watched halloween and i've watched mm-hmm. scream okay and so that's kind of where I, I've watched Get Out. I have so that's <laughs> yeah. kind of my base knowledge here. Have you seen the original A Nightmare on Elm Street? No. Okay. Well, that is my in like that is the movie for me. That is my end all be all. Would die for you. Amazing. Still holds up. Completely insane movie. Um, even more insane when you consider that Freddy Krueger is only in it for like, like, is it like 13 minutes? I mean, it's a very small amount of time that he's actually in it, but. Um, I've heard that from other people crazy. that it's not that scary per se, but it's, it's, I mean, it's scary, but it's not that gory as I've heard. It's, oh, I would no, it's disagree. pretty gory. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would, one, the, the first death is like, buckets of blood like it is definitely gory yes yeah yeah i i need to but, i need to see it one of these days i do yeah <laughs> that's, that's what i, I that's don't know if one. i could say like it's not that scary because the thing is like i feel like um you know people watching this they'd be like that is not scary at all whereas you know when it was when it came out it was uh-huh. definitely very scary. yeah but um I just watched the Elvira 40th anniversary. Oh my God, that was so awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And if you, Rachel, if you have not seen Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, that is a fine Halloween-y slapstick comedy, hilarious sort of like Uh fun little movie to watch. That is not scary at all. So, (laughs) All right, Nikki, what about you? What would you say? Uh, Well, it depends on... I always look at movies like in a weird bunch of ways. Like for me, my go-to to start with would be like the thing from 1982 or 19. 19- yeah. I've heard or that's in the good. It's incredible. It is like it, it yeah. the stop or the um, practical horror effects are incredible. It can be a, a, a very scary movie just from the perspective of the practical effects are just, I don't know. They just reach up and bite you. And there mm-hmm. are some rather freaky mm-hmm. premises. Um, invasion of, 
I'm trying to, uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1970s with Donald Sutherland. Yeah, I've seen that one. That one is good. Oh, it's psychologically awesome. Um, Rocky Horror Picture Show is just like, that is one of my go-tos for like, like just fun. It's sort of similar to Elvira. Um, Just Mm -hmm. a great fun movie. Um, I actually go back a bit for just like fun horror. Uh, Arsenic and Old Lace is not necessarily a Halloween movie, but it's just a fun old school, Mm -hmm. like, I guess, sort of movie. Yeah. Uh, but absolutely best is Tucker and Dale versus evil. That movie is it's, it's super gory, but it involves someone going through a wood chipper, which totally makes my day. <laughs> it's so fun. It's such a fun movie. Yeah. Sorry, Fargo, I, right. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's why it's awesome. Cause it's got that same feel, but it yeah. takes all those, all those horror tropes that you've seen in every movie. And it mm-hmm. does this really fun thing with them. And it is super gory, but it is just such a fun movie. Mm-hmm. I think a fun mm-hmm. like gateway would be, uh, I think Gremlins would be a fun one. Oh uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, totally. that has some decent scares, but doesn't take itself too seriously, but it has some like grisly moments with like the guy getting caught in the, the chimney and dying, you know, it <laughs> yeah, has some- really, dark, <laughs> really, really dark tale that Phoebe uh, tells about her father. It's just like, yeah. That's such a, I love that about that film that, that they just plop that in there, that like horrible true story right in the middle of this like kind of fun um, yeah. comedy. I yeah. also loved Anna in the Apocalypse. I know it was kind of divisive, mm. like, but I thought yeah. it was great. I mean, it it's a musical, which is my heart. I love musicals. And also <laughs> it is a zombie movie and a Christmas movie. So it's got all <laughs> the things. Got everything. <laughs> That one is great. Yeah, it is. I would I also really say that the cabin in the woods is one of my favorite oh, meta. Thank you. Films. Thank you so much. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I great. think Anna and the Apocalypse would be a fun one for, uh, for like a cult classic. If you were doing one, Nikki. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, that would be a good Christmas of... movie that I would consider doing. So like mm-hmm. when, when they get underneath the, the, the inflatable pool and the yeah, one yeah. lady comes yeah. and sits down that whole, I just, I lost it. <laughs> And like some of the people that, that get zombified surprised me genuinely. I was like, oh, I didn't think that that would happen. Oh, (laughs) no spoilers, but all right. Well, real quick, uh, we always like to ask and we mentioned some as we've talked, but what is one unpopular opinion that you have? And for me, one recent one, and I didn't love it. I was very conflicted on it, but I didn't hate it. Like everybody else seems to have was Dear Evan Hansen. Like, I felt like I felt like I understood the heart of what they were going for and I gave it a a 5.5 out of 10. So by no means like a huge recommendation has lots of problems, but I love the music. It's so good. I love the songs. And so I was willing to forgive a lot and I gave it a mild recommendation and there were definitely a lot of people who were like, how dare you? And uh, so I don't know. That was, I guess, an unpopular opinion that I've had recently is that I thought it was okay. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Like a previous uh, person that was on here said the movie was fine. Yeah, that's, what I felt. Yeah, that's right. Uh, what about you, Amy? What unpopular opinion do you want to talk about? Um that I think Halloween 2018 is not a good film. Mm. <laughs> you know, I've heard that from some people actually that they did not like it. I uh, I follow a horror YouTuber, Cody Leach. He wasn't a big yeah. fan. Yeah, but by and large, the horror community thinks it's the greatest thing ever and loves it to death and can't wait for the <laughs> next two films. And my opinion is that, um, again, Jason... Uh, if they had chosen Jamie Lee Curtis to direct the next Halloween film, 100% I would be so excited for it because I want to see that perspective and I want to see what she would do with her own character that would be different than just sort of sticking her in this, like, honestly, and people are going to come for me for saying this, but Halloween H2O did such a better job of portraying Laurie Strode as a traumatized Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> uh survivor than halloween 2018 did halloween 2018 made me mad on so many levels so many mm-hmm. levels don't play what about I, you nikki about do you do you agree on halloween 2018 i prefer h2o um 
actually Halloween 2018, I don't remember anything of. I know I watched it, but like it didn't really stick with me very well. But Jason is not like my, I'm a Freddy chick through and through. So Mm -hmm. I don't know what that says, but yeah, it was, (laughs) it was okay. It didn't do what it felt like it needed to do, but I, I don't have that love of Jason going way back the way I do Freddy. So Mm Well, so what's an unpopular opinion that you want to share? Uh, and this is probably not the most unpopular opinion, but I've seen a lot of talk about it on Twitter, so I'm bringing it up. I, I've traveled a fair amount, and my belief for travel aims here too. Whatever it is that's in your comfort zone of movies, you need to get out of it. You know, if you are a modern movie fan, go check out classics, go check out Art House, go check out yeah. like good, bad movies, because you see these people saying, oh, well, I've never, like, I knew someone that loved Star Wars, was a Star Wars fan through and through, but never watched A New Hope because they assumed that it was boring. What? I know, because it's like, an, from it's the 70s. An, yes, it's, crazy. it's, I mean, that's an extreme case, but I just, it doesn't matter, you know, you don't have to go, you don't have to watch classics. You can absolutely hate Citizen Kane because God knows that movie has issues. <laughs> But I mean, technically it's amazing, incredible, but it, you know, it is what it is, Yeah. but step outside your comfort zone. And there's so many people that don't, and they claim to know movies Mm. in and out. If you want to call yourself someone that's knowledgeable about movies and you want a well-rounded, you know, you want to be considered well-rounded step outside. I agree. I have every month on my blog, I have a blind spot uh, that I cover and it's sometimes it's a cult classic. Sometimes it's just a popular movie. Sometimes it's a classic, whatever it might be. And I have so much fun doing that. That's why I, that's when I saw the ha- original Halloween. That's nice. when I saw scream. Uh, so, you know, trying to kind of push myself out of my comfort zone and uh, I'm doing, I haven't actually seen the 1931 Frankenstein so I've seen that for October for my blind spot. I've watched the 1954 Godzilla. That was a blind spot that I had never seen, even though, you know, obviously it's so iconic, mm-hmm. uh, but <laughs> I think that's really good to do. Get yourself out of your comfort zone and uh, watch something that you might uh, not otherwise watch. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's, I mean, that's how you grow as a person is, uh, is pushing yourself. So I, I completely agree. Well, last question we like to ask is, is to talk about something that you're proud of that you've either written or made or whatever it might be. And for me, I we as I said, we've just had the fourth birthday today of Hallmarkies podcast and when we're recording this on the 30th of September. And I uh, I'm really proud of this little podcast that awesome. I, I made not only that we've lasted for four years because most podcasts uh, only last six episodes. That's the average, <laughs> um, but it, we managed to evolve. We've had different co-hosts come and go. It originally started just me and my friend, Amber, and now she's not, she's not as involved anymore. Um, but we've had people come in and out and, and uh, I've been able to keep it going, which is hard to do. But all just the people that I've met along the way, the the incredible guests I've done over uh, over two hundred and something interviews wow. uh, as part of it, and that has just been an incredible experience. I'm just so proud to have like made something. <laughs> so many times in modern life, I feel like we use things and then we never actually get a chance to make something, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm so proud that here's this thing that I made. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. That's a huge thing. Awesome. <laughs> Yay. Uh, so. <laughs> uh, what about you, Amy? What's something you're proud of that you've done? Uh, I am also very proud that we've kept our podcast going. Uh, we're on episode 15 now. We've been doing it for almost a year, but nice. I'm most proud. I just got this book that I am quoted in about Wes Craven's Scream and I'm so stoked it's the first time I've ever been in a book before it's called it all all began with a scream by Pedriac Moroni and he talked to a lot of the actors and a lot of the crew members on all of the scream films and I just talked to him about like seeing being a Wes Craven fan and seeing scream in the theater for the first time and just like sort of 
all of my opinions on why Sydney is like one of the best final girls and and why this movie's so enduring and, and keeps getting made. And I can't wait for the new one. I can't wait Woo-hoo. for the new screen. So Congratulations. That is incredible. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Nikki, what about you? Um, so I have uh, collabed. I, I, I started doing this collab thing back in February of last year with different reviewers and different people around YouTube, different podcasters. And I just hit episode um, 23 of Collab Theater, and it has opened my eyes to so many movies I wouldn't have otherwise watched. It has, yeah, I don't know, it's just a way to talk to people in the community. And everyone has come with a different thing, whether it be a different avatar, a different kind of situation where I had to come up with different intros and we do different, you know, riffs throughout the movie. And I don't know, it just, it's such a, it was such a fun thing to create. And I never thought it would reach it to 23 episodes with that. So I'm pretty proud of that. So we've all three defied the odds more than six episodes. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Very good. Well, Yay, all you. of us. We Yay. all rock. <laughs> well, thank you so much, both of you for coming and doing this. This was a great episode. I really enjoyed talking to both of you so much. Hopefully we'll have you back. And uh, why don't you tell people how they can find you and your content when you start, Amy? Sure. Um, so uh, ilovesplatter.com is my horror movie blog. Threeimaginarygirls.com is the other blog that I write film for. I'm on uh, Twitter and Instagram as reanimator, as in reanimator, but reanimator uh, after Amy. And uh, also I Love Splatter Instagram is where I'm doing my 100 Days of Horror project on day 68, um, where I watch a to me horror film every single day until Halloween. That's awesome. Incredible. And what about you, Nikki? Uh, You can find me on YouTube at Trivial Theater. Uh, It's just spelled the normal way, E-R, or sorry, R-E, not E-R, because I'm just not that fancy. Um, You can also find me on Twitter at Trivia underscore Chick, and uh, watch out for weekly episodes of the Twilight Zone podcast on the Movie Emporium YouTube channel. Great. And we'll have that all in the description to make sure you all are following both of these wonderful creators. It's so great uh, to get a chance to meet both of you. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. So check that out. Also, make sure you're following the Homeworkies podcast. Lots of fun stuff going on over there. And uh, please like this video. Please subscribe to the channel. And if you're listening on iTunes, please leave your ratings and reviews. Really appreciate that so much. Also have the merch store, which you can get the female film critics panel logo uh, merch, which is really cool looking, I think. So check that out. And then also we have the patron group, which is a lot of fun and only $2 a month to support the content. And again, appreciate that so much. So thank you so much, ladies. And we'll hopefully talk again later. Have a great fall and a great October. Happy spooky. Yeah, thanks for having me. Bye everyone. Bye.